I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Rise Together podcast. Today, I have a duo. I don't have many duos, I'll be honest, but I have a duo. Jess Johnson and Amy Weatherly are here today. They met through the internet about three years ago, and their conversations always seem to end on the topic of friendship, the source of many of their highs, but also some of their lowest lows. And so they created a community. It's called Sister I Am With You. It lives online. It's a space where millions of women get real about friendship. There are no topics left off the table. And Jess and Amy are pouring their hearts daily into encouraging women across this globe to engage in authentic connection with each other. And that conversation, this community has uh, birthed a book. Uh, they have a debut book. It's called I'll Be There, But I'll Be Wearing Sweatpants. Sounds like my autobiography. Uh, <laughs> finding unfiltered real life friendships in this crazy chaotic world. And in it, Jess and Amy offer an easy to follow roadmap to the place we all desperately want to be, authentic friendships. Yes, please. I am also interested in this. Uh, the message of the book is simple. Let's not do life alone. Let's do it together. Feels even more relevant in this uh, pandemic world of ours. Jess and Amy share real life examples and actionable steps that we can all take to build deep and satisfying friendships. Please remove your hats, rise, and welcome Jess and Amy to the Rise Together podcast. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. What would the world look like if we all pushed ourselves to have candid conversations with people who didn't look like us, think like us, or live like us? I'm Dave Hollis, and I'm on a mission to learn more about this world by meeting more of the people who live here. You may not always agree with everything you hear, but I guarantee you'll come away more informed on topics you might never have thought to seek out before. This isn't just a podcast, it's a community. And when we raise each other up, we all rise, together. Thank you so much. Of course. Uh, I'm excited about this. Friendship uh, is a huge thing that I think most of us are desperately interested in and also tend to find uh, somewhat elusive at times and certainly staying power for uh, relationships that matter, deep relationships that matter. Something that uh, if you're lucky enough to find one man, hold on to it and invest in it. But yes. uh, I know I'm not alone in uh, being among the people who uh, are interested in understanding how to better 
find, maintain, and deepen relationships with friends. So I'm so glad that you guys are here. I gave folks uh, a tops of the trees overview of yourselves, but I like to ask our guests, if you were introducing yourself at a cocktail party or were walking into uh, a stage that you were going to speak on, how would you have people introduce you? Oh, I mean, honestly, if I was introducing myself at a party, if I'm being super honest, I would probably say something very weird and awkward. <laughs> Give it to me. Let's go. Come on. Tell me what it is, Amy. Just pop out of my mouth and like word vomit and then be like, oh, I'd love to take that back, actually. Um, <laughs> but I live in Texas. I've got three kids, married, and basically that's it. I just want to love people really well. I want to love people really well. I want to encourage them. I want them to live their life. That That's it. This is the platform that I'm doing that with now. So that's it. I just really want to love people well. What a great mission. I like this. All right. Top that, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> I will try. I am Jess Johnston. I have four kids, two boys, 14, 12, two girls, 10 and eight. So most of my life consists of making food cleaning up the food and driving them places. Like that is like, I drive all day, every day. And then I get home and I like take off my shoes and my kids are like, mom, you forgot. I have to go to this place. And then I'm like, oh yeah. And then I drive them there. (laughs) That is my, my main function in the world. And then secondary is writing and talking about friendship. (laughs) Chief shuttle officer, number one, uh, writer, author, community curator, number two. Good work. So speaking of community, you guys created this online community, Sister I Am With You, and it's grown. It's a big community, millions of people affected in and uh, loved inside of this community. But it really does, it does, it had its, had its genesis around friendships and spends a lot of time, talk, a time talking about friendships. What was it about this topic of friendship that drew you to it? And how was that, was the, the idea of friendship the thing that has always been its North Star? And is it the thing that everyone is kind of in there to learn more about? It was just, Jess and I, it was just a natural conversation. Just like you said, we always came back to the topic of friendship, of talking about all of it. And, and again, like, as an adult, I realized some of my highest highs have been with friends and some of my lowest lows have been uh, without friends. <laughs> Not, You know, they're, they've been the source of both. And it was just this very natural thing and insecurity and hurt and struggle and people pleasing and all of the stuff that when, when we opened up and talked about it, women just flocked to it and were like, oh, me too. Me too. Oh, I didn't know. I had no idea I was the only one. It was like this beautiful connective force. When you get vulnerable, people kind of join in because they realize they're not alone in those things. So that was just always our thing. Like, let's talk about the parts of friendship. No one is. Let's talk about those deep, deep, real in the dirt. Let's talk about that kind of stuff. I mean, I love anything that ends up normalizing the stuff that sometimes when we don't have community, we think is an indictment on us not being good or right or uh, available for the kind of friendship that the other people are necessarily available to. It sounds like there's a universalism in this being something that people struggle with or have a lot of feelings around. I wonder in a COVID world, 
how the community is representing those challenges being amplified because of the restrictions that exist and the quarantining that exists? Is there, are you seeing something that is heightening the problems that already exist because of the way the pandemic plays a role? Absolutely. I think what's something that we've seen a lot is people were already starving for friendship and connection before the pandemic because we did start before. But once it happened, what we really saw is that people became even more aware of the loneliness. We, we used to see a trend of memes on the internet that is like, uh, I want you to invite me to the party, but I'm also not going to come, but I want you to invite me. Like that was kind of the overall attitude or I will text you in 20 years, but just know that I love you. Like that was kind of the overall thing. And then after when things shut down, we saw a lot more of, I wish, I wish I could go back and I wish I could say yes. I wish I could go back and connect with you. I wish I could have joined you at that party or whatever. And just because everything got quiet, right? Like we have these busy, crazy, chaotic lives and everything got quiet. And I think any pain or lack just got amplified. So if we didn't have those people in our lives, we were suddenly very aware of it. Yeah. I know, you know, I think I have an ideal of what friendship is meant to be. Some of it because of my personal experience, but some of it like what was sold to me as I was growing up and how friendship Mm -hmm. is meant to work or how, you know, of course you're going to have friends. You're just going to be friends with the people that live next door or whatever it might be. (laughs) But I think part of what your community is uncovering is that there are some lies that have just been told to us either through society or just through um, our perception, our fear, our doubt. Uh, what what are some of the things that you've seen in your community that are the kind of the lies around friendship that we need to uh, uncover so that we can uh, disregard them and pull them apart? I think one of them, we sort of have this concept in our head that our soulmate friend is just out there. And all you have to do is find them. You just find them. And that's, that's your soulmate friend. And then they solve all your problems and it's just magic. And maybe you're just walking down the street and then you're like, oh my gosh, there you are. I've been waiting for you all my life. And oh my gosh, I have found you. No, and that is not how it works at all. <laughs> at all. I would be terrified if someone grabbed me at the grocery store and was like, I was meant to be your best friend. We are soulmates. I'd be like, I don't think we were so much as I was meant to call the police right now. <laughs> um, you know, so I think we have that concept that it just happens, that it's just magic and there's no magic to it. There's no magic to it. There are so many people on this planet and there are so many that you can connect with and that you can build good relationships with. And it does take sort of, there's a filtering process of who was, who was made to be in your life and who wasn't, but some of it is just spending time doing those things, working at it. And I, I, I really have to get out there and just try. All right. Do you guys see that there are different archetypes of friends or different kind of categories of friends? Like I know for me, I have people that I have been friends with forever and ever, and they fall into an interesting category of like, we pick up a conversation months apart and we pick up as if we just had a conversation two days ago. There's no awkwardness in the length of time that has gone by because we both appreciate the chaos and situation of our lives. We're happy every time we get a chance to connect, 
but it comes with a, a different level of expectation because of like, in some ways, I think time served. And then there are newer friendships that require, you know, a lot of uh, investment in time and intentionality. If you're interested in building it into something that might actually mature and become a deeper kind of uh, relationship. But uh, I'm not sure what I would even call those two different kinds, but there's, I think, a variety of different kinds of friendships in my life. Am I weird or are there actually different kinds of friendships that you guys have no, inside yes, the community? Abs- absolutely. Like there's all kinds of different types of friendship, like you're saying. Yeah. I, I mean, I know for me, like I've had friendships that were so meaningful and important in a season. And then our lives changed. The way that our kids were engaged in sports was now different. The things that were happening at work changed. And it didn't mean that they were out of my life, but the depth and the connection was different. And there was a part of me that would, I mean, I would mourn a little bit, the changing of the guard as it were, because of the way that we were graduating into a new season. But I've really tried to come to a place of just having gratitude for the time that they were there or that I was there for them and an appreciation that I I really have just come to believe that there are some people that were meant to just be in your life in a deep, deep way for a season of time and not necessarily for all time and that that's okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, that's definitely it's. And I've come to the same place there really has to be this open-handed like okay like when you're even building a new friendship you really don't know if it's going to be for a season or if it's going to be for life and making peace with the fact that this person is really important right now and I'm sewing into this connection but you don't you don't ever have control which can be hard because when you don't it it opens you up to potentially being hurt potentially grieving the loss of a friendship potentially going your separate ways and having to make peace with that. But if you don't risk, then you also don't get that reward of deep and close connection. Of course. So you just mentioned new friends or making new friends. If someone who's listening right now is like, man, I am hungry for a new friend. What is the thing that is blocking me from connecting in the way that I would hope for Are there some unhealthy habits that you've identified that have kept people from the kind of connection that they desire? Most of us are waiters in that we sit there and we wait. We wait for it to happen to us. Um, And we just sort of, I don't know what we expect. Someone to just bust down our door and be like, you, I'm going to be your best friend and you're going to come out with me and you're going to spend time with me. And this is just how it's going to work. And again, it, it doesn't happen that way. And so I know a huge revelation in my life where I, I kind of been hurt in this friendship. And it was like, I was just sitting there and I felt desperate. I felt desperate to be loved and I felt desperate to feel seen. And I felt desperate for these connections. And there was a light bulb moment in my life where I was like, you can't live like this anymore. You can't live like this anymore. So all of those things that you want, all of those things that you're, you're not desperate for them. You are full of love. You are loved, Amy. You are loved. You are okay as you are. You are full. So live like that and then go out and give those things. You go out, stop waiting for an invitation. Stop living life like you're begging for someone to invite you to a table. Build a table. Build a table. Invite someone in. Do it as yourself. Let yourself be seen and the right people are going to accept it and the wrong ones aren't. And that's okay. That is okay. You are not made to be loved by everyone. 
You're not made to be liked by everyone. Risk rejection, risk rejection. Be vulnerable enough to know that it might not happen with everybody, but just put yourself out there and stop waiting for it to happen and give instead. And that was a huge thing in my life. And I think for a lot of women, that's what they need to hear is go, go give those things. Don't wait. Don't wait for an invitation for your own life. Go live it. I think too, the, the popularity versus connection thing. I think in our culture, we think being popular equals connection. Like if we get so many followers on social media, if we get so many likes, if we get that kind of engagement, then we're going to feel like we belong. And that just can, could not be further from the truth. Cause when we're putting out that image on social media, the filtered, the look, I'm so amazing. Look, my perfect life or whatever. We think that's going to pull in those people and make us feel like we belong, but it's actually kind of the opposite. It's those finding those people that you can be real and deep and authentic and be like, Hey, I'm a total mess today. I couldn't get out of bed because my anxiety is so bad. When though, when you find people who love you at your worst and love you in your real, that's when you feel belonging and that's where you find connection. And they're two opposite things. So going towards popularity and being liked or admired is never going to equal connection and deep friendship. Yeah. I, I, I have myself, the, this conversation that I continue to have over and over with like, what would make me feel so good about myself when I'm by myself. It's like the ability for me to one kind of live in integrity with who, who I'm hoping to become, but also finding a way to surround myself with people who might love me for who I authentically am that like, I might have the freedom to be exactly me. And that in being me, I will be received by these people that I have surrounded myself with and will be seen. And in that being seen, uh, we'll be able to connect, have something in intimacy that now bonds us uh, in a way that if I have to act a certain way to be accepted or morph into something so that I can feel liked, um, that it wouldn't even be uh, a connection for real because it's not really who I am. I, I want and you're, that so bad. And that's, I think, a normal thing for any of us, anyone who's listening right now. And you're going to know that deep down, right? Like they, they might not even know that. They, the person you're connecting with might even think that that is the real you, but you're not going to feel their love for you because deep down you're going to know you're not being authentic and you're not showing up at yourself as yourself. So it keeps you from even receiving that love and acceptance. Absolutely. So exhausting to just tiptoe, to just tiptoe through life and be like, I have to say everything exactly right, or they're not going to like me and I have to do everything right, or they're not going to like me. And I have to wear the right clothes or they're not going to like me. That is exhausting. And I think we're so sick of it. Honestly, I think humans are sick of that. I think we're sick of the race. I think we're sick of this mentality that if I only have this, then people will love me. No, no. People can love you exactly as you are right now, exactly as you are, but you are going to have to show up. If you want to be seen, you're going to have to take the mask off. You're Mm going to have to stop pretending and just put it out there. No mask, no filter, no filter. But that is what we want to be seen as humans. That is like the most basic of all human needs is to be seen and known and accepted as yourself. Uh, it's so good. I, I'm in the middle right now of doing a, a fitness challenge with my lady friend, Heidi. And inside of this group, we're like inviting people to really own vulnerably 
the things that they're struggling with and succeeding in, but also like if they're having a hard day or the workout is a thing that they can't perfectly do, if there's modifications or whatever, the more that people have been willing to vulnerably represent their truth, the faster they have those feelings normalized by a bunch of other people mm -hmm. who are experiencing the exact same thing. And the faster they get a, just a troop of people to be encouraging and supportive. And I'm sure you're seeing the same kind of thing in your community. The, the, like any of the shame that might exist and not getting it perfect or any of the way that we might have that negative self-talk beat us up a little bit and make us not feel so great about ourselves. If we let it fester in silence, we just absolutely eliminate the chance for connection or the ability to have it feel normal. And it's why I just could not agree more, more vulnerability, more transparency, owning the, the times when you're struggling just a little bit, or just at least showing your full true self without the mask. That's what allows for connection. It's such an important yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. Love that. I've, I've talked a lot over time about how whoever coined this phrase, like you are in some ways, the product of the five people you spend the most time with. So the circle of people that you call friends ends up being really important for the way that it affects who you are. Uh, if you're the most motivated person in your circle, you may need a new circle. If you're the most hopeful person in your circle, you may need a new circle. If you're the most growth-driven person and on and on and on, um, you may need a new circle because inevitably you might be pulled back down to the level of people who aren't as ambitious or filled with faith or kind or whatever it might end up being if you're surrounded by people who aren't the things that you aspire to be. If someone finds themselves lonely in their circle or the only one in their circle who uh, in their truth is now not surrounded by people, how, how can you excuse yourself from that table, from that circle that wasn't either, either isn't made for them or they've outgrown potentially to find a place where they belong? I just think you do it graciously. I think you do it graciously. And I think you realize, I think this is something we think that everyone, everything is good or bad, positive, negative, um, evil or, or good. And we sort of label things. Okay. If it's not the right table for you, don't, that's not your enemy. Okay. So I think we go to like, we go through a friend breakup and suddenly that person's against us. No, it doesn't have to be that way. It can just be another human whose, whose paths have gone two different directions. And when you learn to like love them and let them go with grace, that's sort of a phrase that I use all the time. Let them go with grace, love them, and then, and then let them out the door. But that is good for your soul. It is good for your heart. We do not um, just because someone is not your best friend does not make them your active enemy either. We don't have to villainize people. Um, so I think that that is a, a really good part of it is realizing this may not be my table. I'm going to excuse myself and I'm going to build something else. It doesn't mean that I don't care for you or that I, I'm not grateful for the time that we had together. It means this is, this is maybe what I'm done with now. And so I think you just have to do it graciously and with love and with kindness and realize that you might be met with some hostility. You might be yeah, met with some yeah. And that's okay. They get to feel their feelings. But if this is a boundary that you are creating to guard your own heart, then it's one that you need to go ahead and make. But just realize you may be met with hostility. And that's okay. You keep loving them anyways, because that's who you are. So if someone's listening right now, and they are investing in a friendship, 
and they don't feel like there is reciprocation. They are not getting the investment that they are putting in back. It's hurting their feelings a little bit, might be frustrating. Are there tips or tricks that you have seen inside the community of how people have tried to engage in a conversation or catalyze some kind of reciprocation of the way that they are investing that can keep that relationship going or make it better? Or is the absence of reciprocation a sign that you might need to change the way that you are investing time in that friendship? I think the answer is definitely both. I think, first of all, I think if it's a close enough friend, it's it's good idea to have a conversation because oftentimes we're just speaking a different language, right? Like my my language might be inviting you out to coffee and, and like time, my love language. I mean, I'll just say it. My love language is time. So I'm going to be giving time away. I'm going to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to be intentional about inviting you and pursuing you, but that is not the way all my friends speak love. I have a friend that will uh, drop off dinner or offer to take the kids. Like she will, she will literally give the shirt off of her back. And she's showing me that she loves me. But if I don't pay attention, then I will not notice that. But she is speaking love. So I think having those conversations with close friends, like, hey, it it hurts my feelings a little bit that I'm the only one who I, I usually text or call you. It makes me feel not valued. Having those conversations. And if that's a friendship that you should keep investing in, that person will be like, you know what? You're right. I totally see that. I, I hear you. And I've, I've been, honestly, I've been on the other side of that where a friend has told me like, Hey, you're, you're hurting me in this way. And I have to take that and be like, okay, like I love you and I value you. And I'm going to change the way I'm doing things. The other side is, is if it's just going to be that way and it just kind of is what it is and you're really meeting a need and it's not, then it's not actually a friendship. Like if it doesn't go both ways at all, it's not a friendship. You're meeting a need. And sometimes people are in your life just to love and give, not expecting anything in return, but that's still not a friendship. So I think one of the most valuable things that we have to give away is intent, our intentionality and our sewing into someone. So to me, that's just seeing, okay, this friendship is not reciprocal. I need to make my investment elsewhere. I need to give my top priority to a different friendship, to a different relationship, maybe starting totally from scratch and just inviting someone new out to coffee. That doesn't mean I'm necessarily even breaking up with them. It's just deciding, okay, I'm going to be intentional elsewhere. I'm going to give my best and first to someone else because this is not, this is not a mutual friendship. Yeah, so good. And and it's, by the way, hard because I think there's a part of us that doesn't want to have to give up on a friendship and there's some ego maybe attached to not having your overtures returned. And yet, uh, you know, having to do so is an important thing as is necessary. I also, it's an interesting thing, just your, you know, spending time or acts of service, you know, love languages plays as much a role in friendships as it does in romantic relationships and understanding a little bit of how your friends you know, how they give love, how they want to receive love is an important thing as you're interested in making sure they know that you have uh, a love for them. And so, you know, even just a simple conversation of like, how do you, how do you hope to receive love? If they're a words of mm-hmm. affirmation person, man, you're in luck in part, cause you just got to send them a text every day. But also if you're trying to do, you know, acts of service and it's not landing, 
It you know, <laughs> might be something that doesn't have them even appreciating that you're trying to love on them the way that you are. Uh, you've got a book coming out here. So let's talk about that for a sec. I'll be there, but I'll be wearing sweatpants. Love this title. <laughs> if uh, people pick up this book, what could they expect to see or how would, you, how would they maybe have some of the things that they learn affect their lives? I think that one, we approached this book as we really wanted to sit with you and not come as an expert, not talk down to you and not be like, this is what you need to do. This is what you should be doing. No, that makes you feel worse. If you're lonely, that makes you feel worse. So one, we approach it as, dang, this is what we've been through. This is what we're going through too. We are literally with you in this and sort of as a like, just hanging out together. Let's hang out together. Let's get conversational easy to read. Um, that's the first thing, but I do think that women, uh, you know what? A man can read, totally read this too. <laughs> We're not going to live in who can buy this book. Everybody buy it. But also just realizing it is, it is going to hopefully love on you a lot. It's going to love on you a lot and just remind you that you're not alone and that you are okay. Cause it's one of those questions. I think so many people ask themselves is, am I okay? am I okay? Am I doing this wrong? Is something, is, is something wrong with me? And this will answer that question that no, you're okay. And you have what it takes. You absolutely have what it takes, but there's a lot of love in this book and a lot of encouragement, but then we are also very intentional to make sure there were very practical tools that now this is what you do. This is how you make it happen. This is the work that goes with it because a book's not going to change your life if you can't put it into action. So we wanted the action part of this book to be very simple. So that was a big part of it too, but women will come and I think they're going to feel encouraged and loved. That's awesome. I know that there is a workbook that goes along with the book. What, like, what, what is the, what is the work? I'm going to guess that the workbook is really where like the rubber meets the road and takes the, uh, I, as I call it, I had some journaling prompts in my last book, like passive reading or listening experience turns into active, practical uh, you know, learning experience when you're actually having to pick up pen and paper. What? Give me some sample or examples of uh, what you find inside the workbook and what a listener might be able to take away as they're trying to build some better friendships. Well, each of our chapters in the book also has like a what now section, even in the book where it's like, okay, this is how we apply this right now. And then the workbook is going to take an even deeper walk through that. And also the cool part about the workbook is that we're hoping that you're doing it with other people and that you're actually building friendship as you're working through the workbook. So that's yeah. awesome. All right. So if someone is interested in an intentionality exercise, like they want to be more intentional in their friendship, what's the first place that you suggest someone go to? Oh my gosh. What the, one of the biggest things we talk about is baby steps, but consistent baby steps. So choosing something that you can do in your life right now to invest in friendship, whether it's, I, okay, I can dedicate an hour to getting coffee with someone a week, or I can invite one person over for dinner a week, or I can call a friend and spend 20 minutes on the phone a week, but, and then it's doing it every single week. We like things to show up in our life automatically overnight, but to build deep friendships, it really takes time and it takes consistent investment, but to not look at it through the perspective of being a perfectionist and being like, I have to be perfect at, at this. And I need to, in order to grow a deep friendship, I need to invest 10 hours a week. Like that's not practical, but find something that you can do consistently 
is a huge key to building deep friendships. So good. And I'm going to guess you have to be reasonable. Uh, you know, like set an yes. expectation to your point that you can actually be consistent with. So exactly. that if you, uh, you know, bite off more than you can uh, reasonably chew over the course of time, that it's not going to seem like your interest in this friendship has gone away when uh, life rears its head and requires you to actually drive kids around or whatever it ends yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People are going to go to like, oh, well, we, let's have a girl's night once a week. And you know what? That's going to, it's, it's honestly, it's not going to last that long probably because it's not reasonable. And that's hard when you're busy and you got kids, but sending three texts today, that's reasonable. That's yeah. reasonable. Something you yeah. can do. So it's gotta be, it has to be very practical. One thing that's interesting, not on my not on my list of questions, but I just it just popped in my head. I think there's something interesting about the way that individuals are hoping that friends will respond to trauma or pain. And the nuance of knowing what kind of response that friend of yours needs and meeting them there feels like a super important thing. Like having gone through a divorce in the last 18 months, there were, you know, like a lot of different ways that I could have been outreached by friends. You know, someone who wanted to tell me about their divorce experience, someone who wanted to come over and sit on my couch, someone who wanted to bring me food. And for the most part, I wanted to kind of experience it without having to talk about it every single day to every single person. And having the friend that could respect that was such a meaningful thing, though it wasn't something that I necessarily advertised. Is there a, and I'm sure that there are other things too, the way that you want to celebrate, the way that you want to, you know, have whatever milestone, uh, you know, recognized by friends. But do you guys in the community ever get into things like how do we want to show up for you when you go through this hard thing or when you're experiencing this thing so that there's a little bit of a, here's how I'd like to be met. Could you try and meet me here? Or is that something that just happens individually in, uh, in individual relationships in different kinds of ways? I think that it's really natural for us to think that everyone thinks like we do. Everyone, everyone wants what we want. Everyone will respond how we will respond. And if they don't do it how we would do it, then they're wrong. And that's just a horrible way to look at life because the truth is we're so different and it's so beautiful that we are. I mean, it is a, is a beautiful thing. I just, I, I really, I think people are the best. I mean, and the worst, but I, I just think they're the best. I love <laughs> that we're all built with these little nuances and these little quirks and we're so different. It is, it is interesting when you can learn to be like curious about someone and okay, I want to know you, what makes you tick? So I think the first step is realizing people will not respond the way that you want them to. People will not react the way you want them to react. They will do that in their truth and not yours. So go ahead and accept that. But also when you have a good relationship with someone, you should have open and honest conversations. I mean, yeah. one of my friends goes through things. Um, she experiences really bad anxiety and it's up and down. And when she goes through anxiety, she doesn't want to talk. She doesn't, she kind of shuts down and that's okay. That is how she handles it. So the, the best way for me to love her, and I always tell her, okay, how do I love you right now? Mm -hmm. How do I you in a way that you're going to feel seen and you're going to feel loved. How do I do that? And so I think asking your friends when they have experienced trauma, when they are in the dirt and in the muck and the mud, and you, you want to, you want to basically give them a gift that they are able to unwrap. Right. Yeah. Like, that's so good. Amy. Isn't, that's not useful to them. Ask your friends, how can I love you right now? How can I meet you where you are? What do you need? These honest conversations 
If we could push down our ego and just have some honest conversations, we would have some very good relationships. But it does take that that level of just humility, I think, to just throw it out there and go, what do you want from me? What? How can I love you in this? How can I sit with you? Yeah. Candid, courageous conversations feel like the answer to a lot of things when you're talking about making communication uh, a part of relationship and making those relationships better because of it. I am here for that. All right. Uh, If anyone is interested in knowing more about the book, knowing more about either of you, where do you send humans on the internet to find out more information about the things that you guys are doing in real time? The space that we have together, which we absolutely love, that's all about friendship, all about the nitty gritty of what that looks like, um, is Sister I Am With You. And that's on Facebook and Instagram. And that's where Amy and I both hang out. And then we also have our own pages, Amy Weatherly on Facebook and Instagram and Jess Johnston on Facebook and Instagram. And we would love to have you. Awesome. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, For listeners, please check it out. Uh, They're building and have built something that makes everyone feel seen, everyone feel loved, and everyone feel normal with the in up and down crazy feelings that uh, come in friendship and a world that is compromised connection in the last couple of years worth of time. All right. We end uh, every episode with a single question. What is the uh, idea, the quote, the take away the thing that's on your heart that you would hope to leave listeners that uh, might encourage them, might offer them some peace, might uh, have them have something of a breakthrough in this week ahead. You got one thing. What is that one thing? You are not alone. If you're struggling with it, if you are, if it makes you anxious, if you feel awkward about it, you are not alone and we're in it together. Here, here. I mean, Amy, that might be a mic drop. I'm not sure. Jess just went right there to the jugular. (laughs) And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, okay, hang on, Amy. What Taylor Swift lyric is speaking to you right now? (laughs) What would Tay-Tay say? She would say, you are not alone. Also, that was the correct answer. Jess got it. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate you all so much for being here. Uh, best of luck on the book. Thank it's called you so I'll Be much, There, Dave. but I'll be wearing sweatpants. Uh, continue to build this uh, wonderful community that loves on people called Sister I Am With You. Listeners, uh, check out the book. Check out that community. Thank you to Jess and Amy for being here today. And between now and the next episode, remember that you are not alone if you uh, got anything from this. I hope that you'll take a picture of the device that you're listening to. Tag myself, tag Jess, tag Amy. Let us know a single thing that you took away and share it with your friends. It'll be uh, an opportunity for you to build a stronger relationship because of it. We'll see you next week on the Rise Together podcast. Rise Together is hosted by me, Dave Hollis. This show is edited by Andrew Weller with production support by Sterling Coates. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. Rise Together is a product of The Hollis Company.